0: You're about to hear a preview of Partially Examined Life supporter exclusive content. To learn how to get the whole thing, check out slash support. Hey, this is the Partially Examined Life, episode 315, part two, finishing up our discussion of the mungsu or Mencius. I know there was one, uh, we identified a whole article about it just based on a footnote in our version by David Nivison that was an analysis of. 7-A-17. Seth, do you want to read either of the translations that we have of
1: this? Sure. Let me read the translation we have. The Bloom, yes. And then I'll tell you what Nivenson has to do with this. So in our translation, it says, do not do what you would not do. Do not wish what you would not wish. Only be like this. And then he does a dance. um, Only be like this. (laughs) Yes. It does sound like good song lyrics. I think it would suit. It would suit certain the chorus. Just be like this. Just be like this. Do not do <laughs> the, the, the what you not do. So Nimitz says, we've got many, many different possible translations. So this is, do not do what you ought not to do. Do not desire what you ought, ought not. Do not do what you yourself know by your natural sense is not to be done. Do not desire what you yourself know by your natural sense of right is not to be desired if you act thus, this will already suffice. Do not do what you should not do. Do not wish for what you should not wish. There's nothing more to it than that, et cetera, et cetera. So there's lots of different, and he boils it down into five different interpretations. So do not do what others do not do. So that would be look around, follow the model, don't do what other people do. And
0: there's a lot of support for that in mungse of oh, shouldn't you be ashamed that you're a nonconformist <laughs> there's like a bunch of things that you know are following what was in mozu you know it's, it's a common
1: thing right if this isn't proper don't do it then there's a second possible interpretation which is do not make others do what you wouldn't do do not do what you shouldn't do do not do what you know you shouldn't do and do not do what your sense of right tells you not to do so He then goes on to kind of like break down each one of those and talk about what speaks in favor of that particular interpretation of the text and what doesn't. But it is an interesting way to kind of create the distinction. It's interesting linguistically because it's just fairly clear how they're all very similar, but also quite different. Some more moral leaning than others.
0: What did you guys all make of this? What are our individual interpretations of this? I like this as a, i'm imposing on it the kind of the second order desires like this is all supposed to come out of it's all supposed to be internal it's supposed to come out of human nature it's supposed to come out of moral sentiment but yet people desire the wrong things all the time you know there's weakness of the will there's well don't desire what if you thought about it you would not desire don't desire what you truly don't desire or something like that it's check your individual impulses by your more well thought out broader impulses
2: the way i thought about it is a variation on, it's very hard to do what you want to do. So thinking about what you most want to be doing, it's actually very common that it's just hard to do that. It's aligned with this, you know, do not do what you would not do. So this is saying, well, screw it if it's hard, just don't do it if you wouldn't want to do it. In the sense of your big want, the higher order, higher order want.
0: Yes, I have not name dropped the name of my undergraduate thesis advisor at University of Michigan Peter Railton whose naturalistic theory of the good was like what you would choose if you were an ideal chooser something like that if you are fully rational and fully informed of everything well that's what you would choose you know so that's way of relating your desires right now to the normative standard
1: i don't know how tightly this aligns to any of the variations that he came up with or what have you but going back to the nature theme So it's do not do what you do not do. So if you're a tree, don't try to build a dam, right? I'm not I'm trying to think of like, I don't know. If you're a rabbit, don't build a dam. If you're a beaver, don't build a burrow, right? It's this sense of like, you should have a sense of what's appropriate for you and your position and your desires. And if you try to outstretch those, if you desire things that are not appropriate for you, or if you try to do things that are not appropriate for you, you'll be out of balance, out of the way. But if you stay within them, everything will be in accord. Knowing what those things are, and, and that's a whole nother question, but that's how I read it.
2: You made me want to wonder which children's book gets made, and what is its feeling, right? Is the children books that in which you go around, in which you go and talk to the robin who, instead of making a nest, the robin is digging a hole in the ground like a duck and the snake is doing something else. D- digging a dent, digging it Well, they dig holes. I'm just trying to, <laughs> I'm, I'm failing in this analogy, but what I'm wondering. We're like, we're what like I'm entering won- spinal tap but, territory. <laughs> but what I'm wondering about is in those examples, whether it would be, you know, the end example would be oh, well, it's okay. Is the lesson of the children's book that has the sequence of events that I'm not formulating properly, but that Seth was describing, is that one in which you need to be aligned with your natural abilities? Or is it that, just buck the trend. If you're a Robin and you want to go and... uh you want to live in a barn? Go live in a barn. It's all good. You know, you don't have to live in a nest. I Identify as a horse. <laughs> so uh, that's what I'm wondering. Like, like
0: which, so, which, so, <laughs> so what's the Confucian version of the full Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer story of like, certainly the elf who wants to be a dentist. No, no, no. The telos of elves is to make the toys. Just squash that dentist stuff <laughs> right now. <laughs> yes. And then he is able to do that and is happy. <laughs> the
2: end. Yes. Yeah, you know, it's like say, said,
0: do what elves do, do what birds do, do what your type, your natural kind does. <laughs> do what you people do.
2: Mm-hmm. <laughs> What's funny is, you know, culturally, at least for us, we have both those themes of doing what is part of your nature, but that nature might be expressed, I don't know, individual natures, I guess that's what it is. Yes. Oh, yeah, yeah.
0: Yep. It is that particular elves. He identifies as a dentist. He's, he's a dentist he's a, through and through. He's a, need, he's a Nietzschean elf. He's yes, good as exactly. relative to his. Yes.
2: But Mungsa, there's definitely a much more alignment, teleological alignment. Except that he does buy into the division of labor.
0: And so there probably really is a, we haven't really gotten into this, but this is a good way of bridge into the economic and political stuff is I think like we've kind of referred to that's this was in Motsu too, is like everybody just do your freaking jobs. <laughs> just <laughs> like if you're a laborer, please labor. And then if you're a ruler, should we say to the rulers, you didn't thresh that corn. You don't get any. Like, no, no, no if the ruler is doing his job, then he's making it so the corn will, the economic conditions are are available. So there are corn markets. So yeah, the leader gets some corn too. Like that's just the way the division of labor works.
2: Yeah. You make me want to say, well, but if you're a shitty leader, you don't get any corn because you're not doing your (laughs) goddamn job. (laughs) Sure. No corn for you. So yeah, what are the political sections of this? Just as an aside, I feel like, for the economic stuff, and the, I didn't read anything about warring states' history except for like a paragraph in Wikipedia, but I feel like it must be the case that hundreds of years of social and political unrest and like some specific structure of the times really, really informs this economic outlook and political outlook. So unfortunately,
0: 3A3 and 3A4, which are the two I tagged with the economics, are very long, so we can't just read them. but. You know, some of the, the way of the people is this. When they have a constant livelihood, they will have constant minds. When they lack a constant livelihood, they will lack constant minds and they'll be depraved and sink into crime. Is there really much to this economic stuff? Besides, then there's a whole, like three pages of him talking about segmenting the hectares of your land for wheat or whatever. Humane government must begin with the setting of boundaries. If the boundaries are not set correctly. The division of the land into well fields will not be equal and the grain allowances for official emoluments will not be equitable. This is why harsh rulers and corrupt officials are prone to neglect the setting of boundaries. Maybe we're getting uh, some irrelevant to us, but detailed account of like how the ruler can be a merely a shadowy figure that you don't think about because they're, you know, just setting the conditions. They're setting the boundaries, you know, it's sort of like they're setting up the infrastructure. This is how a small government would work best is that you have clear laws and then everything will follow from that rather than having to constantly use your whims and your judgment in individual circumstances. You might think that you want to be a Solomon and decide every little dispute yourself, but no, just set the boundaries and let them do what they're going to do and don't take many taxes from them and they'll thrive. So at least this is much more concrete than when the Taoists were saying the same thing. If that sounds like the kind of thing that you want to hear more about, then please go to partiallyexaminelifecom
2: slash support. Thanks for listening. When facing a family law matter, it can feel like an overwhelming and never-ending court process. It's vital to know that things will look better on the other side if you hire legal counsel with the skill and compassion to help. It's Stangee Law Firm. We represent clients in difficult family law matters every day. Visit FamilyLawRepresentation.com to schedule your consultation. It's FamilyLawRepresentation.com. Stenge Law Firm, here to help you
1: rebuild your life. Stangey Law Firm has an office in Wichita, Kirk Stangey, 120 South Central Avenue, Suite 450 Clayton, Missouri.